Welcome to Awakening. My name is Ryan. It's good to be with you guys. We're in a series called Blink. Uh, how will you measure your life? Uh, and in this series, we, we, we said this. We started it last week. Uh, said that there's this natural phenomenon. Uh, it's something that all cultures experience. It's just common to the human experience, really. Uh, it's, it's something that happens uh, to us as we get older, that the older you grow, the faster life seems to go. It, it's a perception in the way we understand time that it just seems like it speeds up. Uh, and as you get older, you understand this. If you remember when you were kids and it felt like summer lasted forever, and then now you just blinked and summer was gone, and you know, it felt like those car drives growing up took forever, and now it's like, wow, that was just really only half an hour or a few hours. Um, and it seems like Christmas just keeps coming around. I don't know about you faster and faster, whereas torture, remember that as kids? Like the, the waiting process for Christmas was just absolute torture. Yeah, I mean, the last month felt like it just was creeping by. That, that there's this phenomenon we experience, and there's some, some explanation on why we experience that scientifically, but uh, that the older you grow, the faster life seems to go. We perceive time, just it moves at almost like you blink, and, and you're like, wow, where did the time go? So in, in light of that, in light of the reality that this is true for you, and this is true for me, that because we blink, and, and it just seems like life keeps picking up pace, it's not actually getting slower, it's going faster, then we should stop and take some time and ask some really big questions, some really important questions, questions that could impact what happens in between those blinks? In fact, here's the question we asked, and it's just the title of the series. I think one of the bigger questions to ask is, how will you measure your life? How will you go about measuring your life? Because here's why it's such a big question. How you measure or gauge your life, how you decide what it will be successful, how you think the end will turn out for you, it is directly shaping the decisions you make. In fact, it shapes the decisions that direct your life. How you measure your life shapes the decisions that direct your life. This is such a big deal because if you don't pay attention to that one question, then we all have an answer. Whether it's you really understand that you have an answer or not, there's something that's pulling you forward that you have. This is how I measure life. And it might be success. It might be, you know, approval. It might be like trying to, you know, be a somebody, whatever that means. It might be having the most Facebook friends. I don't know. It's a very low bar to set for yourself on how you'd measure your life, but maybe some. Others' approval. Having the right. You ever, you ever measure life that way? Just by having the right clothes, the right outfit, the right car, the right girl or guy on your arm, mate, house, cars. And it just keeps getting bigger, right? It's just having the right and it just keeps growing. How about you? How, how do you measure your life? It's interesting. In life, we have a lot of ways that we measure things, though, don't we? We, we have, um, uh, you know, a, a ruler. Uh, this isn't a ruler. It's quite a bit bigger than a ruler. A measuring tape. And so, you know, if I wanted to measure how big the stage was, I could just go out and do that. 
But then, you know, if I wanted to see if this stage was level, then I'd pull this guy out. It doesn't tell me how big the stage is, but it tells me if it's level, and we're looking pretty good. Just thought I'd let you know. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, you shift into the world of, you know, baking, which I actually love a little known fact about me you didn't know as I love to bake. I'm very precise uh, and my wife is not and so we get into fights when we bake and baking you have to be precise. You have to have it just right and she's just like, let's add a little bit of that. I'm like, no, no, the recipe said one cup. <laughs> just do one cup. It's like, oh, what'd you put in there? How many? I don't know. I just kind of dumped some in there. I'm like, come on now. Uh, you know, and it's interesting. We all have different ways of measuring stuff, don't we? And what's fascinating is we know this in this world, but we would never try to measure flour with a tape measure, right? That just is stupid. Uh, and we'd never try to measure lumber with a measuring bowl. We get that. That's ridiculously obvious. And so why did I point that out? Because... Could it be that we do that in life? That we have the wrong set of tools to measure our life by? And, and if we don't answer that question well, can wake up later wondering what happened, where did we go, how did I land here, and become the person you never thought you would become? Or land in a place you never dreamed or intended on landing simply because he didn't answer that question up front well. How will you measure your life? Now, the Bible actually has an answer to this, and I'd suggest uh, if you want to hear about it, it's a 2,000-year-old answer to it, and it's found all throughout the Bible, and it's this kind of sacred triad, if you will, where Paul says, now these three things remain. Faith hope and love. He says the tools that you want to measure your life by are these three areas. Faith, becoming a person of faith, a person of hope, and a person of love. If you, if you want to make sure you land well, you have a life of significance, you want to make sure that your life is worth living and a legacy, you make sure that you begin to measure by these three things. Faith, hope, and love. Uh, that it's so interesting that we measure our life by stuff that doesn't really sustain and won't sustain us for a lifetime. And here he's like, these three remain. That they'll sustain you for a lifetime. Faith, hope, and love. And tonight we want to talk about how do you measure your life in regards or use the tool of faith. And so if you got your notes, go ahead and open them up. We're going to talk about faith. And if you've been around a while, you're, you're going to you realize that we've talked on faith already. If you've been tracking with us through Westgate, we did a series at Westgate called Stuck in a Tree, and we did a four-part series on faith. And if you're part of Awakening, you realize we did that same series in Awakening a few months later. So we're not going to talk about faith and the fullness of it because we did a four-part series there. And you can go back and listen to Stuck in a Tree, and it's, I, I think it's a great series. Jay is t- teaching on the one at Westgate. Uh, in one of them, and it's really, really good. And I'd encourage you to go listen to that. We want to talk about it in regards to how you measure your life. Now, here's what's interesting. I, lo- I love Ortberg's definition of faith. Faith is coming to believe with my whole body what I say I believe with my mind. Faith is coming to believe with my whole body what I say I believe with my mind. 
See, we have this weird idea about faith, and it remains this kind of abstract reality, and it's like, well, I have faith, or faith is what happens up here. I intellectually agree about certain things, and, and really, that's not faith. That's just knowledge. You, you're just smart, maybe, or you have some knowledge and practice, but faith is saying that my whole body is in action based on what I know. In fact, this is the way the Apostle Paul would say it. He said the only thing that counts, this is a big, big idea, by the way. Anytime the Bible would start and say the only thing that counts, you should be kind of going, okay, let's listen in. Lean in a little bit closer, maybe circle or underline. If you underline in your Bible, go ahead and go, wow, that's a good one to underline. There you go. You got it figured out. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Expressing, this word expressing is literally to put one's capabilities into operation. It is, it is not this dormant kind of going through the motions, this, this intellectual ascent. It is putting the capabilities into motion. Faith is energized by love. Faith gets into motion because of love. This is the calling in how you begin to measure your life. Let me give you an example. About a little over 10 years ago, I asked my wife to marry me. That was a glorious day. Uh, and, I mean, we had dated about a year and a half, a little, maybe a little bit more, and it was almost all long distance. A year of it was international. So I figured if we made it a year international long distance, we can make it a lifetime together in the same place. I don't know if that's good reason or not, but it seemed to work for me. And so she got into town, and I planned the most romantic date I could think of. I mean, I'm not a romantic guy, so if you think this is not romantic, then um, just let me think I'm still romantic, okay? <laughs> but I mean, I planned it. I worked so hard. I, I, I was like, okay, you know what? She loves bike rides, and she loves the ocean, so we went on a bike ride on West Cliff. We gr- both grew up in Santa Cruz, and so we went on a bike ride in, uh, on West Cliff Drive right there, and was like, oh, man, this is great. I'm like, yeah, it is great, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm awesome. And yet, and yet I know in my gut there's something bigger coming later, and there's just all this nervous excitement and anticipation. And then I packed a, a picnic, and we went up onto this uh, park that overlooks the ocean. We're sitting looking into our, you know, each other's eyes, eating our picnic. And I'm going, oh, this is, this is romantic. And then we go for a drive a little bit later, and we end up on East Cliff. And I had brought my guitar with me because every good romance story has a guitar. (laughs) And I I grabbed my guitar, and I took her up this little uh, uh, hill. We climbed over some train tracks, and then sitting on this lone bench that overlooks uh, the Capitola area there and the water, and, and I broke out my guitar and said... Let me sing you a song. <laughs> now, I know it's crazy, and it sounds so lame now, but it was awesome then, okay? Come on. And, and so I, I whipped out the guitar, and I sat down, and I played her the song that I, that I played part of it for, but I wrote this specific bridge just for this moment. And the bridge said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Would you spend the rest of your life with me? And, and I was just like, man, I'm pretty clever, too. I wrapped that into a song. Uh, and there was this, this moment. I was like, okay, now cover your, your, your eyes. I got something. And, and, you know, as if she didn't know what was coming next. And... <laughs> And so I reach into my guitar case and grab the ring, and I get onto my knees. And I hold out this ring 
that represents all the money I had in the whole world. <laughs> I said, Jenny, will you marry me? And she said, no. No, I'm just kidding. She said, yes. <laughs> and she said, yes. See, faith is coming to believe with my whole body. What I say I believe with my mind. It's interesting, you know, I've said before that moment, I love you thousands of times probably to her. And in fact, in our course of conversation, we talked about the life ahead of us and in dreams in our life together. But you know what? That was all talk. Until that one moment, and I love the way we say it in our culture here, where I engaged where we got engaged, where I put my money where my mouth was and I got on my knee and I put literally my money and said, will you marry me? You know what's interesting though? Is we don't often think about the motivation of faith. Remember what Paul said, now the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You know when you're in love, the things that other people call faith doesn't feel like faith at all? You ever notice that? I mean, like, that moment and hanging in the balance and planning that day and spending all that money and all this sort of stuff, that was a tremendous act of faith. I had, she could have said no. And I, what would I do with the ring? And let alone the shame. Thankfully, there wasn't Facebook back then, you know? <laughs> See, when you're in love, It doesn't feel a whole lot like faith. It just feels a whole lot like love. And it just comes natural. And you just do it because it's overflowing inside of you. You just can't contain it. And you're just like, yeah, of course we're going to stay up all night and talk. And I'll go to work completely tired. Or of course I drive 14 hours to see you. And then drive 14 hours back. I know we only get to see each other for a half an hour. That's great. Because it's interesting. Faith, energized by love, changes everything, doesn't it? Now, now think about this for us in our relationship with God. You have this grand invitation not to show up and do church. You have this grand invitation not to just kind of go through the motions. You have this invitation into the most beautiful love story of all eternity where the God of the universe delights in you and says, I love you. I long to be with you. And so it should feel a whole lot more like love and a little bit less like faith, shouldn't it? And for some of us, we got on our our knee a few years ago or last year or maybe many years ago, and we we were at that moment where we got our whole body in on the game and we said, yeah, I'm in. But you know what's funny about love and time? It's just this weird thing. You know what came naturally starts to get a little bit harder. You know, over the course of time with, with Jenny and I, we we had a job and careers and then house and then kids. You know what came natural got a lot harder. But you know what you do? You see, to rekindle that same love, 
even though it doesn't feel natural, now you have to move and shift and start being intentional. Most people don't make that shift. See, what once came naturally now has to, you have to initiate. You have to be intentional about it. You know what my wife and I do now? It used to come natural just to do dates. And it was like we had all the time in the world we could do that. Now we have three kids, and it's really hard to get anyone to watch three kids these days. Yet we have to be super intentional. And you know what it does? It brings us back to that moment where we got engaged and where we said we're all in and say, I'm here. See, no one says I'm engaged to you for a moment and then says, well, that was good. That was that moment. I said it back there. I'm good. Thank you very much. No relationship works that way, right? Girls, you would just be like, Okay, I'm give you the ring back. If all it was for that moment that you were in, engaged in the moment, you're, that's a promise and a pledge that I'm going to be engaged to you personally for a lifetime. And yes, yeah, interesting. Don't we do that with God? Invited into this grand story, this grand relationship. Let me point back to faith and go, yeah, I got that. I did that. Isn't that a weird way to talk about faith? Yeah, I have that. I did that. <laughs> Think about talking about that, you know, with Jenny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did that. It's done. Like, no, it's ongoing. It's living. It's moving. It's breathing. See, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. It's when you begin to get your whole body in the game and it stops being just a head game. And the invitation to you and I, for us as a church, if we're going to start to measure our life by things that matter, is to measure it by faith. Measure it not just by a faith that is intellectual, but a faith that is expressing the great love we have and experience. Now, how do you do that? That's the hard part, right? How do, you begin to, how do you begin to do that? And especially if you're in the stage where it's no longer feeling natural and it has to be intentional. How do you begin to rekindle that? Because you can actually rekindle your heart and your passion where you go, oh, I just can't wait to be with you. Where faith feels less like faith and it feels and, and less risky and it feels more just like being in love. And of course you do stuff like that because that's what you do when you're in love. I'm speaking to the girls there, and the guys are going like, just give me an action story, man. (laughs) Flip the back of your notes. Three areas that faith expresses itself through love. For those, if you need to make that little shift, this is the area that early on in your relationship with God, it first came naturally and now has to shift to being intentional where you actually have to plan around it. And it doesn't take away from love. It's just going, you know what? It's such a priority. I need to be more intentional about it. Let me just give you three areas where you can engage that muscle of faith and begin to experience that love relationship with the Father. The faith, first area, faith to give generously when it would be easier to withhold stingily. The faith to give generously when it would be easier to withhold stingily. 
Luke 6.38 says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You you know when you're in love, you never think about money a whole lot. Do you, you ever notice that? And when you have a relationship, it's like, yeah, let's go do that. You can't help but give generously. It's not because you're, you know, like this even over-top generous person. It's just like, it's just the most natural thing. You're like, of course, I want the best for you. See, give is the faith part. Generous is the love part. It's the heart attachment part. And if you want to begin to express faith in such a way that it embodies love, you got to go, okay. And Jesus even said this, wherever your money is, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. You want to know where your heart is? Look at your checkbook. He says, you know what? Give generously when it's easier to withhold stingily. There's always reasons. You always got reasons to kind of hold back and go, well, now's not the time. Hey, Ingram, you don't understand. I'm a college student. I don't have a whole lot of money. You don't understand. There's lots of loans going on. Okay, well, let's talk just real quick about three areas for you to give generously. The first doesn't have, two of them don't have anything to do with your finances. First is with your time. Give generously with your time when it'd be easier to withhold stingily. Where you just are present where you just show up and you go, okay, you know what? God, what, what do you have for me today? You ever ask that? Who, who do you want to bring along my path where I'm aware and I can just simply give of my time? How about this? Give of your finances. You're like, okay, I knew we were going to get there. Of your resources. And, and I'd say this. If you can't give in your poverty, you will never learn to give out of your prosperity. And some of you are waiting, going, one day I will, and I just want to let you know, you won't. You practice the art and the, and the habit of giving generously, and God will develop a generous heart. And guess what he said? He said this, for the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That where you have the faith of going, okay, God, you're a good God. I trust you. You're going to supply all my needs. All I have is already yours. And so I'm going to begin to give to you in a way that signifies you're my first love. That all I have is yours. And and he says, whatever measure. And he's like, okay, if it's a a little cup, he's going to measure back to you. And there there is this reality. Now, I'm not talking health, wealth gospel. Give him a dollar and he'll give you a hundred. But I'm talking if you begin to really begin to be generous with your lives, God, some of the deep needs of your life, he'll begin to be generous back. Those deep relationships, that, that, that deep hurt and wound, some of those things. And, and you know what? Sometimes it's financial. I had something this week where we had done a thing with the 50-50 campaign at Westgate. It's uh, our kind of capital campaign for building project and uh, plan to give 50% uh, to the building and 50% completely outside the doors. And so uh, two years ago, I said, okay, I'm going to be a part of this as our family. And we pledged, and I still had an amount left as we shifted it over here. And I looked at it, and it just was kind of hanging over my shoulder. And it's $850, which is an enormous amount to me. Uh, and it was just like, okay, 
But I'm looking at the big size of how much everything's coming in. I'm like, well, $850 is really not that much, and it's really big to me, so I probably shouldn't, you know? It's not going to make that big of a difference. And, you know, back then when I, I did that, we didn't have kids in school and the finances that's going on there, God. Now, you, you know, and then the economy, and I, you know, we're doing a church plan. God, doesn't that count for something? See, there's always a reason, and I'm just going, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to supply. What I do know is I need to be faithful to the commitment, and I, I understand that you'll be generous with me in ways I don't even understand. So I just moved money from our savings. I'm like, oh, that keeps getting smaller. And so let's just, let's just give it. You know, the next day, I got a call from Westgate. Ironic timing, and is the finance department letting me know, hey, we noticed that you had a bunch of vacation days you didn't take while you're on staff here, so we're cutting a check and paying you for this. It was over double than what I gave in the check. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this, this is probably just a coincidence um, that they found that the very next day. Or maybe it's a God thing where you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances. And you know what? If you trust him with a little, and you see him show up, you can start to trust him with more. Give generously when it'd be easier to withhold stingily. I think the last area that I'll just give you under this is really with your words. We have a culture that loves to cut. We, we have a culture, and I, and I, I gotta say, I, I buy into it because I love sarcasm as a mode of speaking. I wish it was a spiritual gift, but it's not. <laughs> but we have a culture where we're not very generous with our words, and we fail to realize how powerful our words really are. And where we would begin to go, you know what, it's easy to withhold stingily. And generally, that's not even, we don't even pay attention to it. It's just a slight word that comes out or no words at all. And where you'd walk about your day and go, where can I be generous in the way that I say things? Where can I be generous to the person that just bugs the crap out of me? Where can I be generous with my family or my neighbors? You know, I, um, as I was thinking about this, one guy that was really generous with me, and he was at the last service, was a guy named Steve Mueller. And I, I watched this guy. He, not only has he been generous with his words and generous with finances, he was generous with his time. Here's a guy that used to be a VP at HP, and we would not have gotten all the business side of stuff up here without him regularly on a Tuesday spending hours with me. Showing me how to do any, I had no, I mean, I still barely have a clue how to do the business side of stuff. And he had folders, and a folder turned into a three-inch, six-inch, you know, binder that had everything in it. And I just looked at this guy, and here he was, absolutely generous, when he had, had nothing to gain and nothing to get out of it. See, but when you're in love, when you're in love in a relationship, it doesn't feel like generosity. It just feels like love, like being you. It feels natural. And maybe to get back there, you need to start doing it intentionally. The next area of faith expressing itself in love is to engage personally when it'd be easier to observe passively. 
that you would engage personally when it would be easier to observe passively. Uh, Romans 12, 3 through 5 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love that because to engage personally first begins with a way of thinking. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And by the way, that is both thinking on the arrogant side and on the woe is me side. Because guess who's at the center of both of those? You. He says, do not think of yourself more highly, but with sober or accurate judgment where you can honestly say, here's the gifts I have. Here's the experiences I have. Here's the background I have. Here's what I'm naturally good at. Here's what I'm naturally not good at. That's sober judgment. And then I love the next line, what it says. In accordance with the measure of faith given to you. You know what's so interesting about that? Is those of us who stepped into this relationship with Jesus Christ, he says, I've deposited into you spiritual gifts. And when you begin to step and operate in those, you experience great joy. The fullness of your cup overflows and God gets great glory. And people experience the impact. And he says, if you don't begin to operate in this reality and spiritual gifts, some of you are like, what is that? We did a series called, um, what was it called? Inventory, thank you. Uh, Inventory. And unpack that. You can go back and listen on the podcast there on what spiritual gifts are to discover that. But where you go, hey, I have a unique calling here. I have a place not only that I belong but I have a place that I, I'm supposed to be a part of, you, that I'm supposed to build. That, that he uses the imagery of the body. It's such great imagery. He says, you know, we all have many members and many things going on here. And if one part of the body says, hey, I'm, I'm, you get something like this, you know, with the eye going on. I don't know if you can see that in the back, you know, just a lazy eye. Or just your whole body goes limp. We experience that here so much. You know, just if you realized... Not only do you need one another, we need you. Engage personally when it would be easier to observe passively. And you sit back and you just watch. And and the reason you're missing out and the reason that the love isn't rekindled is you're just disengaged. You're observing. You're just, sometimes it just feels like you're sleepwalking through life, going through the motions. The invitation is engage personally. I think sometimes why we don't do that, we don't get our hands dirty, is sometimes we look around at what's happening in the world and it's overwhelming. We just realize we can't do everything for everyone. But you can do something for someone. Do not buy into the lie. Yeah, you can't do everything for everyone, but you can do something for someone. I think of a few guys that were in this group a couple years back, uh, three guys that had a heart for Pakistan. And one of the guys, his parents was a missionary in, uh, missionaries in Pakistan, and there's a huge flood that wiped out, and they said, okay, what can we do? What could three guys possibly do? We all had full-time jobs. They all lived here in California. 
And they begin to go, you know what? It's not enough to just observe passively and watch. We have to engage personally. And they begin to pray and prepare and ask. They ask their bosses for two months off of work were granted it. Some of their jobs even gave money to help support them. Saul, churches come in line. Had they never done that, Jesus would have watched a catastrophe go on. And they went for two months and built homes and brought relief and brought money because they decided you can't do everything for everyone, but you can do something for someone. And they engaged personally. What about you? Are you just going to sit in this nice comfy theater and just be a spectator? in the life you are meant to be a player in. See, ways to express faith through love that reignite that passion. Give generously. Engage personally. And finally, share publicly when it would be easier to hide privately. Share publicly when it would be easier to hide privately. Philemon 6 says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. I pray that you may be active. That is just ongoing. It's just part of the reality of your day of sharing your faith, this faith that is expressed tangibly in love. And then you see what it follows up with, that some of us are missing out on every good thing in Christ because we're not actively sharing our faith. And part of it is we got this funky concept of faith, of sharing our faith. And we've, we've had kind of the, the Bible beaters, you know, that like boom, boom, boom. And we had the guys that you just go, I don't want to be anything like them. But let me just tell you this. When you're in love, you just can't help but talk about the person you're in love with. Even guys do this, girls. They, they just can't shut up about the girl that they love. I remember when Jenny was in, you know, uh, Sweden, and I was in Chicago, and we're doing this long distance thing, and I just wouldn't shut up about Jenny. I just couldn't stop talking about her. Uh, I mean, everyone thought, you know, that I had an imaginary girlfriend because they never saw her. I went on a family vacation with my brother and obviously the rest of my family's first big one is in, we were in Hawaii and the whole time me and my brother roomed and my brother, like a couple weeks ago, we were talking about it. He's like, yeah, you just wouldn't shut up about Jenny. See, it, it's natural. We, we get this whole idea of like, well, I got to get the whole process and these sort of things and that's helpful, I guess. But when you're in love, it just comes into the conversation, doesn't it? How can it not? I mean, if you, if you experience the, the most amazing love that you are forgiven and redeemed and that the God of the universe delights and knows your name and that you just can't help but go have that leak into conversations. Go, that's, that's just part of my life. How can I not share that? And yet so often we just hide privately and make excuses, don't we, like this. My, well, my face a private thing. It's, you know, it's not really PC to talk about that. My life, honestly, Ingram, my life is my message. If they look at me, they'll figure it out. Really. <laughs> 
well, you know, it's just not my gift. I, I, I just don't know enough, or, you know, people aren't just that open. Can I just give you a couple practical tips on this side that w- that'll help? Because I think this is an area that we've so got skewed and messed up because so often we've seen it done wrong and so we just back out. And when you get it into the context of a relationship, it makes so much more sense. When you can't help but give that away, and you're like, of course. When, when Jenny came from yeah, California, we got married to Chicago, I couldn't wait to introduce her to everyone and let them know I'm not crazy, see? <laughs> let me just give you a couple tips on this. Invest in the person, not a project. Love doesn't... Love doesn't make people projects. I was talking to one of the faculty members here who has a background that doesn't really um, connect with church real well and actually feel alienated from us, uh, generally, the church. And he, we had this cool conversation talking, and, and he began to ask about what kind of church we are because he was a little bit interested but wanted to know, is he going to be kind of judged or treated as a project? Because he began to share how this one person acted like his friend. And then once they realized, hey, he's never going to be converted, bailed. I got to say, guys. Okay, that's a little hard. I think that's kind of evil. Invest in a person, care about a person, love them. Get to the point where when you see them, your heart breaks, that you weep. Because I can think through some people that I look around at my neighbors and I look around at my servers. I don't know why, but every time I go to a restaurant, I have like a huge heart for my servers and we always get to know them and have amazing conversations. But I, I think about them and I, my heart breaks for them because they don't know Jesus and I so long for them to experience the grace and love that I've experienced that I don't deserve. And I want to just introduce them to my best friend in the whole world who saved me. And would you get to the place where your heart breaks for people, where it's not a project, where you're going through the motions, but where you deeply care about people Get after it and realize Jesus loves them the same way he loved you. And it's not church going through the motions. It's an amazing relationship that we're invited into. And when you're in love, you just can't keep it in. Where you'd express your faith through love. And you would care deeply for people. I'd say another, sorry. A couple more steps of advice I guess I would give. is It's a process, not an event. Don't try to line up this big event. Realize it is a process with people, that you are journeying with people. Your approach matters. Lead with love. Romans tells us it's his kindness that leads people to repentance. That my prayer is for this school, that they would so experience the kindness of God because of our presence here, they would come and seek out who this God is. And when you're talking to people, I guess this is, sounds kind of obvious, but develop the skill of listening and the art of question asking. 
so many times you wanna, you're answering questions nobody else is asking and you're not listening to what people are talking about. And where you invest in a person and you develop the skill of listening where you make eye contact and you really care and you want to get to know their story before you just dump your stuff and you just go, it's not about dumping my stuff. I want to hear about you and who you are and what makes you tick and know you because Jesus cares about who you are and wants to know you and makes you tick. And I want to introduce you to my friend. And in the process of that, real practically, learn to share your story. This is what Jesus has done for me. How to introduce Jesus through the story of the love relationship you've experienced with him. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. As you begin to measure your life, would you begin to do, maybe it's never even been natural for you, but you'd start to be intentional about giving generously engaging personally and sharing publicly. Because faith is coming to believe with my whole body what I say I believe with my mind. Would you maybe in this moment have a moment where you get on your knees with God? I don't know, this maybe this is a little awkward, you know. But the crossroads of where you say, okay, God, amen, my whole body, my time, my money. Oh, wait a second. It's your time, your money, your resources. Amen, all of me. How could I not be? You're the God who loves me so well. How could I not respond? Let me pray. God, I just pray for this, for us as a church, as we're talking about how we'll measure a life, that we would be a church that would be known by a faith expressed through love, that, that we would be known for a people who go into the community and radically live out your love. We'd be known as a people, God. We'd be known in such a way that have so deeply experienced your love and so enjoy being with you. It would be just so uh, captivating to the world. That the way we love one another and love you and express your grace and kindness to the world would catch them off guard and they would finally be introduced to you, Jesus. God, would you make us a community of faith that is fueled and motivated, energized by love.